0: From the top of the charts to the dusty $1 bin and everything in between, it's time for another review on Life to Labyrinth. This week, Stephen, this was your suggestion. Why don't you run us through who we're listening to this week, what the album is, where you got them from, you how this band come into your life? All
1: right. So this week, we're listening to the album Infinitely Ordinary by the band The Rex. This album's brand new. It's dropped in 2020, produced by Big Noise Music. Uh, this band originally comes out of California, actually. And as for how I found them, they were one of many random like suggestions, Spotify pops into like my daily mix. I always make a point to try and listen to any new songs that come up. And it was about uh, maybe two months ago or so I heard the first the first track, my first exposure to it at least. And it was actually um, the first song on the album. Freaking out when it dropped as a single, it looked like it was getting a ton of airtime and a ton of plays on Spotify. And I I don't know what it was. I just like instantly fell in love. This band just has that sound for me, and it's it's something I so very rarely ever feel listening to rock or alt rock it just and it's so distinctly californian i kind of love it
0: that's really cool i had never heard of this band at all when you suggested it it's not the kind of music that i would listen to normally it just has that whole post punk my chemical romance and Fall Out boy like to me, on the surface, like the first couple of times I listened through the album, it felt very bad to me. Yeah, I get you that. Know, that. Not not necessarily like those topics, but like that kind of sound, almost sort of like that uh, that sort of like major key, but sort of angsty. Yeah, but for sure. The more I listened to it, the more I heard a lot of layers in it. Like you say, it's really, really distinctly Californian, but I hear a lot of early Queen in this album. Mm, see, that's not really the comparison
1: I made, but now that you've said it. Definitely. Like I for sure feel that. But to me, I I get where you're coming from with the whole like follow boy because freaking out to me when I first heard it, my first thought was, holy shit, this is like a rock version of like panic at the disco. Like I'm, I'm all in. That's totally what I want to hear. And I think this like infinitely ordinary as an album did a really good job of showing you the band has quite a lot of range. Like their core is obviously still always going to be rock and that the very like post-punk of deep rock but as you play through the album yeah queen's totally a comparison i could see but to me like i felt a lot of like ah, early early 80s kind of punk in there and i think that's probably why the album itself as a whole kind of spoke to me because i feel like i get a little bit of like black flag and a little bit of circle jerks the stuff that was a little lighter we're not talking like dead kennedys yeah but um, yeah, we're rock. There were punk, rather sorry, kind of started transitioning into that more palatable
0: rock sound. Yeah, for freaking out, my note was sounds like eighties science new wave at the beginning, like you know, you know when you know I'm a da 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 like mm-hmm. the the rhythm he took. I was just you know I was like weird science, <laughs> <laughs> absolutely. It had that very like late or mid eighties post punk, not quite new wave yet. But, like, let's play with electronic feel to it. And, I, like, I for me, that was the best parts of the song. Like, those were the really interesting parts. I think the choruses are very good. And that's where I get, like, that queen feel, where it's, like, a lot of layers. It's a lot of harmonies. It's big. It's a really big sound. Um, but, yeah, this this it started out, and I was like, oh, cool. It's, this is, like, some kind of, you know, modern 80s nerd electronica post-punk or something.
1: <laughs> yeah, I felt very, almost like... I don't, early 2000s Goo Goo Dolls like when they stopped trying to be a solely new wave band and they tried to get a little like mm-hmm. funky and kind of off off-key with it yeah. um i found a lot of that in freaking out but as you mentioned the like those big layered hook choruses i find that's that's a such a core element of their style they're clearly not afraid to hit you with the like heavy guitar and those you know quick sudden drum beats yeah like they don't shy away from having big in your face like layered sounds and harmonies yeah. but they they also branch out and like you said the start of freaking out really i never would have expected them to be a rock band if i had only ever heard that song yeah no me neither. it always felt to me like a yeah almost like a say 2010s kind of new grunge when scene really became the big thing with fallout and panic i expected more of that and it was actually a really pleasant surprise to really hit that first like deep baseline and you're like oh wow damn these guys can rock
0: (laughs) yeah yeah i'm really glad you know we were just talking before we started recording like I don't know how you approach listening to albums for this project, but for me, I try and listen to them in a few different ways. So I like, I'll listen to it in the car. I'll put it on at work kind of in the background. I'll put it on in headphones when I'm in the grocery store. And then, you know, before we started recording tonight, I like sat down, fortunately, like we were saying, it's only um, like a 25 minute EP. So I guess sat down with like just earbuds in and just listened to it. And I got like all the layers Then I think, I think this is one of those albums, and potentially as a band, I haven't listened to any of their other stuff, admittedly. But I think if you, this is like a headphone band for me, because you miss so much of what they have going on in the songs, if it's just on a speaker in the room somewhere.
1: No, I, t- I totally get that. Um, And I find now that at home, right, on paternity, I don't really, right at work, I would usually put it on and it would just kind of fade into the background and... I would enjoy it, but I wasn't really paying attention. And even when I've got it on in the car, I I'm a sucker for singing to myself in the car. So like I'm hearing it, but I'm also drowning it out with my own horrible singing. <laughs> and sitting at home and really deep diving these albums, um, I've done a lot more headphone listening, and I I honestly couldn't have expected the difference it truly makes. And I think you're right. I think even compared to like Eliza, this band really illustrates how
0: different a song or a sound can be just based on the way you're consuming it definitely um i think also like this is a five member band and it seems like every member has a part to play it's not like it's not like they have two or three guitarists and they're all kind of grinding the same thing like you know they put their five members to work to service the song and i think that's really really a sign of like good songwriting there was this did you ever watch John-O-Vision? I'm really dating myself Oof. here.
1: No, I think that one's even beyond me.
0: Okay, well, Jonathan Torrance, who you probably know from Trailer Park Boys, as J-Rock, yeah, I know that. Um, once upon a time he had a talk show, and it was like four teens. It was usually on in the evenings, kind of like after Saved by the Bell. Wow. And I think his biggest claim to fame is that at one point he had hosted the largest Degrassi um, high original cast reunion oh, wow. on his show but there was a battle of the bands episode one time i don't know why but this has always stuck with me and there is a band i don't even remember who the judges were they were probably like canadian rock stars whatever that means <laughs> <laughs> who knows because we're talking like probably the late like late 90s so i don't even know like it, it, it was probably like so yeah. i don't even want to guess but <laughs> um if you're a listener and you want to look it up then you know hit us up on uh on twitter or instagram at live number two labyrinth and uh let us know if you find out who the uh who the judges <laughs> were but on the old canadian mtv yeah exactly um but there was a band that had three guitarists and they were all playing exactly the same thing. And you could tell that, like, these were just friends, and they didn't want to not include, like, all of their bodies. Like, let's start a band. It's like, you know, three of them play guitar, because it's probably high school or college, and guitarists are a dime a dozen. And um, and the the only feedback this guy had was, like, you have three guitarists, and you're all playing the same thing. So what's the point? Yeah. Yeah,
1: I've never really understood that. And Actually, where you mentioned, like, the sign of good songwriting, um, one of the cool things I learned is that, Um, Nick Anderson, the frontman, I guess he actually he's written every song they've ever released. And he swears that every everything he writes is based on true experiences. Um, But not only that, aside from this infinitely ordinary album that we listen to, they actually like Anderson actually produced all of their songs as well.
0: Yeah, I read a fun fact when I was researching this band that like they made their first EP by like sneaking into recording studio.
1: Yeah, isn't that crazy? I was just reading up on that too before we started, and I found a couple different stories. In one interview, he says that a friend of theirs was essentially like house sitting this studio and had said, Oh yeah, it's totally cool. Like come on in, we'll we'll knock out some recording. And then once they were finished, said friend was like, Oh, by the way, you weren't supposed to be here. So they had to scrub all their information from the computers, and they should have just left with the hard drive that had their songs on mm-hmm. it. Um, but I found another interview where he just straight up said like they essentially found a key under a mat, broke into the studio while the like the owner was gone on vacation, and over three days produced their first album, "We Are the Rex." And that's that's crazy, right? That's like, nuts.
0: That's so crazy.
1: That's so rock and roll, though. That's one hundred percent the kind of thing you would for sure like. It feels like the kind of shit you would hear Queen did or the Rolling Stones pulled back back when the Rolling Stones were truly an unbalanced rock band. Yeah, it just blew me away. It's the craziest thing ever.
0: Yeah, it feels very much like that. There's a this story, I think, of the band. It might have even been on, like, interviews from The Last Waltz or something like that, where they talk about, like, going into grocery stores and stuffing their, like, trench coats full of bologna. Yeah. Because, <laughs> you know, it's like anything to, like, survive and just keep doing the music, right? Like, you know, it's like we were saying about Eliza. It's like, I just, I have so much respect for any band that, like, pushes through all of that and, like, deals with the poverty and the struggle and, like, the nothing. Yeah, To, like just believe in themselves and, and their art, but the the risk of always of at some point just having to like accept that it didn't work.
1: Yeah. And I guess like, that's such a crazy origin story, but apparently the band was only like a week old or two weeks old when that happened as well. Huh. So these like completely fresh, they were, they were all of almost all their members were members of like different high school bands and projects they had all run together. So I guess, yeah, Anderson had just sent out a bunch of like, messages. It was like, Hey, I'm gonna put this band together now. How do you all want to be in it? And that's how it came to be. And then a week later, they essentially broke into the studio, (laughs) recorded their "We Are the Rex" EP, bleached all you know evidence that they were ever there, and then
0: self-produced and released it. I mean, kudos to them. They did it. It worked. (laughs) Big risk, but yeah, good to them. Good for them. So, freaking out's first track feels so nice as track number two. So. I've got a note that says the beginning really sounds like another song, like the, the little like bass lick, but for the life of me, I can't remember what it is. <laughs>
1: yeah, I totally agree. I, I listened to the song three times before we started recording, hoping it yeah. would just, it would trigger, but I can't for the life of me figure out what song it sounds so similar to. Uh,
0: I can, I can remember the bass line that I'm thinking of. Um, I don't particularly want to sing it. Um, but I have no idea what song it is. <laughs> See, so it's driving me nuts. Um, maybe, bef- maybe by the end of uh, the, this I'll, I'll be gutsy enough to like sing it, but uh, yeah,
1: but I totally get it. It Yeah. It like, as soon as it kicked in, I was like, Oh my God, did I put on the wrong song? But I couldn't, I can't even think of lyrics that match it. It's just one of those things I know, I know, and I won't ever remember.
0: Yeah. Like wow. for, I'm just going to do it. I'm just like, yeah, for me, for like it. I hear it. It's like, it's like, it's like, like that I have a song on my head so what we need Shazam for like for my just like mouth vocals if we can develop that then we can use it to fund our podcast
1: yeah um feels so nice I really like it um I think out of the album it's actually one of my it's one of the stronger tracks for me but it feels I was trying to think of who it feels more like. And to me, it feels very, almost like The Killers. Okay. Like early 2004, 2006, when The Killers were first kind of releasing these little three-track EPs they had, where they they tried to kind of flirt with really changing up alt-rock, but didn't want to risk too much. Right. And Feels So Good has that same kind of sound to me, but feels like an infinitely more polished product.
0: Okay. See, I got, like, a really, like, the underlying tracks, Um, like, I love how it builds and builds to, like, this big sonic wall feel at the mi- middle. But the, er, like, the underlying tracks at the beginning of the song, I get, like, a really, like, early Pink Floyd or, like, Sid Barrett vibe from it. The way he's singing, the, like, the little acoustic guitar parts and stuff. Like, Yeah, I can see that. Like, so It's really interesting to me because you jump to, like, like, it's obvious, like, what you listen to. Like, you, you have all this knowledge of, like, early aughts music and stuff when I was sort of like,
1: yeah. Right. Kind of
0: in that phase of like, I just wanted to listen to, you know, the shit I was listening to in high school and, and, and not know about, you know, the killers other than what was on the radio or something like that. So I just like jump way back. Cause that's the stuff that has that interested me, but that's like, I haven't listened to any of that killers. <laughs> um, maybe, uh maybe one day in the podcast, we'll get to it. Yeah.
1: But, but I think that's a good thing too. Cause like, same as that, I don't, really sometimes get that same perspective then sometimes you'll mention it and I'll be like oh you know I do kind of see that and realistically that's a big part of why I really like this band but like feels so nice I really love those like the vocals in it I I don't know what it is I love the vocals in it but yeah the little like acoustic twangs it's just it's got that really old school, almost like this is a weird comparison like because I couldn't give you a track to compare it to but it almost strikes me as like Iggy and the stooges yeah. like want to be your dog that like underlying just it almost feels like an underlying like really simple riff and then it's layered mm-hmm. and layered until there's just so much kind of going on on each second of that track
0: yeah yeah it just it just starts so thin which is why it takes me to like that sort of weird really early pink floyd thing it's just the cores they're using and like this how thin it starts
1: yeah See, so you're even that right like i don't have much i don't have a whole lot of perspective on pink floyd that just, it wasn't something I really grew up listening to. And by the time I got to the age where I was, I should have gone back and listened. I was too cool for that, man. Like Pink Floyd was overrated. And it's only been really the last couple of years. I've been kind of going back and really searching through those, the old tracks on bands that have changed the industry, which is insane to me. Yeah. But that is one thing, like you said, where it builds up to that like sonic wall. Um, that's another thing I find is quite consistent in their tracks Um, on this album, there's a couple that are just through and through either like a single style or much more slow, but I find quite a lot of them build up to that where you, you just, you can kind of feel it coming. Then all of a sudden it peaks and the sound Mm -hmm. just changes and the the whole mood of the song kind of changes with it. Like the energy just blows me away Man, people are so talented.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, I don't have much else to say about that song, but yeah, it, it was a really, it's good. It's good. Everybody should listen
1: to it. But yeah, it's good. It's it. Like, it's a good song, but there's nothing really that feels so nice, didn't have any specific moments in it that yeah. I was like, oh, holy yeah. shit. Like, this is it.
0: I get um, it now. And I find, like, with the next one, Out of Style, like, I found that by the time I got to that song, like, Feels so nice and out of style. At least potentially freaking out to me. Sound almost like they could all be one long song. Yeah. No, I can for sure. And I found by the time I got to out of style, I was just like, this sounds so much like the last song. I think if it didn't like if the if if it it feels so nice hadn't gotten like quiet at the end, it would and they just, like, went right into this to Out of Style. Like, it just, like, I didn't have, like, I don't know. For me, Out of Style is the song that I would probably skip, if I'm honest. It just, there wasn't much in it that I really found that was great, Um, and it just really felt like and sounded like the previous two. Yeah, no, I agree with that. Like, especially feels So Nice, the two of them. Um,
1: Because, like, Freaking Out at least has that kind of fun, offbeat rhythm you don't really expect when you're first listening to it. I find Feel So Nice and Out of Style do feeling kind of sound the same. The only difference with me was I found Out of Style was just a it's such a light-hearted, like, the mood and the theme of Out of Style to me is a real, like, kind of turning point that then brings you to the next song and it almost feels like they sacrificed the song's almost individuality in order to just kind of get that message where the whole song is just about essentially the singer talking shit to an ex yeah. and about how much like his life might suck, but he's pretty sure it's better than yours. Yeah, And yeah, it's such a plain song, but I do really love the lyrics because it, to me, it really represented the, the band. And I think this one in particular shows you that clearly this was written by someone who has just gone through a breakup at some point. Oh like, yeah. There's a lot of really fun bitterness there, but there's a lot of like where he talks about <laughs> Essentially, like she got married, but he can turn his room three different shades of red. (laughs) That's such a stupid, childish, like, like petty little jab. Yeah, and part of me loved it. Yeah, it just like the band showing that sometimes they don't give a shit what you're gonna think about them. They've they've got a message, they or a song they want to sing, they're gonna sing it.
0: Yeah, yeah, I did. I had noted that I liked the lyrics in this song as well, whether they're good or bad or deep or you know, he he's not Morrissey, but like listening to this song, I'm just like. words yeah right it's nothing insane or like
1: groundbreaking or poignant and deep it just kind of is fun and it's it's the kind of fun i think really everybody can relate to yeah if you've ever been through even the mildest of a like a bad breakup the lyrics in this song are either going to make you laugh or really relate to you and that's just that kind of that element of lighthearted playfulness that i really loved
0: yeah i like i like simple lyrics that just don't get bogged down in like trying to be deep. Like I think, you know, as as much as Radiohead as an example is one of those bands who kind of gets bogged down in being too deep sometimes. Oh like sure. the lyric of theirs that stands out to me always, that like I never would have written because it never would have occurred to me to write something that on the nose is you know, in Karma Police when he sings For a Minute There I Lost Myself. Yeah. Like that's the part of this, like that's the whole song. Like <laughs> You know, it's everything leads up to that, and like, and it's like it's nothing, but I wouldn't have thought to write that because it would feel like lyrics are supposed to be deep and they're supposed to be this like Jim Morrison, you kind of bad poetry nonsense, yeah, right? Like, that is like that really is probably like kind of a core <laughs> like of why basically. I don't, I'll admit, I don't listen
1: to a lot of Radiohead. I know they've got some good shit out there that people swear by, which has never been really for me. But it's one thing I love about Radiohead is their lyrics sometimes don't make any sense. They're just singing whatever the hell they want. But also sometimes they're just super simple and kind of, there you go. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> I told you. And that line in particular really reminds me of like, it's almost like when movies say the name of the movie. Yeah. Throughout, um, the, like the course of it, it was just, he was like, yeah, I'm fucking tired of being <laughs> around the bush. Here it is. <laughs> now, you know, get out of my face. Yeah. <laughs> <Like,
0: laughs> I was listening to a podcast today and they were talking, this guy was going to uh, watch Lord of the Rings for the first time. And he's like, uh, and they're and so the, the people in the, other, in the podcast with him were like, you know, there's this moment I think you're just going to love. It and he's like, is it when he gets to the point, he's like, and I was the Lord of the Rings. <laughs> <laughs> so, and you're like, eh, the title, right? <laughs> um, right. Uh,
1: again, like it's a fun song. I think kind of, I think the placement of it in the album honestly, isn't super great because like I said, it's, it feels like a tonal shift and then you don't really get one, but it's still a fun song, Like it's just, that one's really good background noise. I could put that on and do whatever I'm doing and it'll just, I'll I'll tap my feet and bob
0: my head to it for sure. I often, uh, I keep thinking of these albums that we're probably hopefully going to do one day, but they're just enormous albums. And I had a a conversation with my, uh, my kid's mom and we have this like, running joke about the song songbird on the rumors album by Fleetwood Mac. Oh yeah. <laughs> um, and how as great a song as it is, and it it's inc- a beautiful, beautiful song. It's like uh-huh. you skip it just to get to the chain. Like we were having this conversation about like um, songs that rip you out of the flow of an album. And like, for me, uh, a really good example, I keep bringing up Pink Floyd, but um, money on dark side of the moon completely ruins the flow. Of the yeah. Audience.
1: See, I've never, I don't think I've ever listened through like
0: dark side of the moon, like start to finish. Oh, well that's why we're doing this podcast, man. <laughs> we do stuff like that. Um, but uh, it's just, but I don't know if, if you're familiar with rumors, like yeah. songbird is just like, they have these big songs and like, they're great. And then all of a sudden it's just like just a piano and Christine McVie singing in the way that she does, which is sort of comical almost. Cause I, I don't know. I like to impersonate her. Um, but the whole time, you know the chain is coming? Yeah, right? <laughs> it's like, I totally get on get with that, that like, lady.
1: <laughs> yeah, right? You start with, I, I really love I Don't Want to Know. And um, Don't Stop. Yeah. I think are the two that really stand out in the beginning, though. And then, yeah, you just you hit songbird. And you're like, eh, I really couldn't care. Because what's next? Probably the best song in this goddamn album.
0: hundred yeah, <laughs> percent. Like, yeah. The back half of that album for me is, is great. And I'm sure we'll do it one day. But yeah, so... But I guess like sometimes you just have to have those sacrificial lambs, I guess. Like I, I find it interesting that like on a we're talking about doing that on like an eight song EP, but you know, they're a young band and they're trying to, you know, they're writing a song and fuck it, put it on the record. Who cares? Yeah, exactly.
1: I think and it's probably part of the charm to me is that I think given especially like the quality of just kind of the album in total and like the quality of the first couple songs, and I really like honestly the back half of this EP a lot more. Out of style just feels like they wanted to put it on the album. They didn't really give a shit. Like it just, hey, eh, we need to fill this track. Let's put this in there. It's fun. It's simple. It won't, you know, it doesn't offend anybody, but it's not going to win anybody yeah. over.
0: And it's, you know, it's a fun song. They probably, uh, in a post-COVID world, when they're on the road again doing shows, like it's a good, good stage song. It's, it's upbeat.
1: Yeah, Out of Style for sure definitely strikes me as that be the that be your hype song on a stage. I think. Yeah. Because it's quick, it's fun, it's fast, and it gives you a lot of room as an artist to kind of yeah. play to the crowd with it. Yeah.
0: Uh, I will agree that I like the back half better of this album, and uh, I'm glad you said that. Well, it's funny too, because
1: right? like, before we decided to do this album, I off this track like, album, I'd only heard Freaking Out and Fuck Somebody. Mm-hmm. And like when I saw that those were the first half of the album, honestly, I was like, oh man, the first like four or five songs are really going to f- kill it. I'm so excited. And then, like, they're good. But yeah, I definitely felt the back half of this album was just a better,
0: well-rounded product. Yeah, for me, much like when I was trying to think of, you know, recalling the songs after the fact with the Eliza album, um, Fuck Somebody is the one that's that's the earworm for me. Mm. Um, the chorus of this song, even now as we talk about every other song, is still in my head from having listened to it maybe like yeah, an hour ago.
1: Yeah, I, I absolutely agree. For the longest time, this was... It wasn't the first song of theirs I heard, but as soon as I heard it, it immediately trumped everything else I had heard. Yeah. Um, and I don't know if it's, I don't know if it's that fun kind of like soft mix with like hard rock. I'm like, I'm having a hard time kind of a, like finding the words to explain the sound or if it's genuinely the lyrics, because I do love the lyrics <laughs> of this song. It's just such a, I don't know, it's such a, such a, like, I relate to the premise so hard I get it. I totally understand kind of what headspace they were in when they wrote and produced this song. It's fun.
0: It's a fun song. It's like, it's, it's written in a way that no matter what the lyrics are, what are, how you may or may not relate to them. Ultimately it's, it's fun. It's a fun song to listen to and it gets stuck in your head. It's a good tune.
1: And yeah, right. It just, it has that inherently, it just has that earworm ability out of every, out of every song on this album that I've listened to this thing a dozen, two dozen times at this point. That's the one that, yeah, if I'm going to stop and think about this album, that's immediately the first song pops into my head. Even it's, And it's not by any means like my favorite song on the album, but it just has that sticks with you quality. And I think middle of the album, such a, a great place for them to drop that track. Because yeah. especially if you've, if you've got that like, oh man, track two and three kind of feel really similar. I find Fuck Somebody really kind of knocks you out of that and yeah. it gets you back into the album. And like excited yeah. for what's coming next.
0: Um, I know I mentioned it uh, earlier on on feels so nice, um, but I was wrong. It, the beginning does not remind me of Seabury because of the little acoustic guitar. It's got that sort of like weird like thing going on. Um, but fuck somebody mm-hmm. is actually the first acoustic guitar that you hear on this album, which I thought was cool. And the organ on it is very super tramp to me. Mm-hmm. So again, I think like talking about. Putting the members of the band to work to serve the song as much as like you know when we were talking about with with Eliza of like how we just wished her vocals were more in the in the mix and higher like these guys don't have that problem yeah absolutely <laughs> um to the point where I think like not necessarily that they've gone the other way because I think the songs are actually really well mixed and really well produced but putting the headphones on and listening and hearing like an acoustic guitar that was probably there in take one just more or less buried, but still kind of there. And then, yeah, this sort of like very sort of super trampy sounding organ, just kind of like underneath everything. And just, you know, musically, I really liked the instrumentation of this song as much as I liked how hooky it was.
1: Yeah, I agree with that. Like, totally. I think it's probably one of the best mixed songs on the album. Because, yeah, you get a little bit of flavor from everybody. I thought there was acoustic and feel so nice. But obviously, I need to hone on my, my auditory skills yeah, fuck somebody. I finds a really, really good mix. Like it, they know when to kick vocals up. They know when to bring him back and kind of let the instrument shine. I think that song does a really good job of showcasing their ability to produce that music.
0: Uh, again, though, no, no real like guitar solos or instrumentation breaks. I think the the two records we've listened to have very much been about the vocalist building the song around the lyrics, building the song around the vocal medley, medley not melody. Not medley, melody. Yeah, That's I think um... <laughs> <laughs> medley still sounded right to me. It wasn't as noticeable for me. Like with Eliza, I found like because her voice was buried, I was focusing a lot on the instruments, but they didn't—they weren't really doing much. They were sort of again serving the song, which is the best thing you can do as a band member. But with these, it was just sort of like I—the vocals were so big. And his voice is so big a lot of the time, and it's so many harmonies, and it's just it's a lot. Like they they crescendo. These guys love a good crescendo. Oh yeah. And and uh, but to hear to hear like the musicality of the band members that support that, um, I find what for me was actually was probably the most interesting part. It is hear the instrumentation and just hear how everybody worked together. It's true.
1: I never really. I never really stopped to think about them, especially in like comparison to Eliza and the Delusionals, but that's such that's such a good kind of takeaway. It's a really good kind of point of interest, and I think right like that that folk what should have been focus on vocals for both, probably comes a lot from the front person being both like the songwriter and you know the producer and the head of what ostensibly started as just these small little indie bands, and I I felt like. The relationship between the members in the Rex feels like a much more solid yeah. band relationship. Like you said, it doesn't feel like anybody's being left out, or doesn't feel like anybody's been given a part just so that they have a part in the song. It feels like every every instrument and kind of every every role each band member plays was really well
0: thought out yeah. as a as a whole experience rather than put together and then mixed as best as possible. Yeah, I think there's. Um... There's something to be said. I think, you know, the name of a band says a lot about who they are. And when you look at Eliza and the Delusionals, Eliza's the star. Eliza's the person that writes the songs. She makes probably a lot of the creative decisions. She, in essence, is likely the leader of the band. Yeah. And that's why the band is named that, to feature her. The Delusionals could be anyone. They could be session musicians. They could be, you know, the wrecking crew, if that means yeah. anything to you. <laughs> that I got. Whereas these guys these guys are a band regardless of who's writing the music they are operating as a band it's, you know it's like you know paul mccartney didn't call his band paul mccartney and wings it was just wings he just wanted to be in a band and uh i think these guys are 100 percent a band i think there isn't meant to be a star um there's gonna obviously be the front person who gets most of the attention and that's inevitable yeah. but these guys are a band
1: yeah i think that's such a good way of putting it they felt like a like a full fully formed really functional band to me and it feels like everybody involved in these songs just wants to have fun and be in a band i i think personally like the Rex could have never made it and they probably would still just be producing music because they just they sound the, the music feels like it's produced by people who just love music and we're just like yeah, whatever, let's just get
0: together and write some songs because, hey, that's the best way to spend our time. Yeah, like these guys feel like, you know, if it wasn't the modern age, they'd be like, they'd have like cassette tapes at their shows and stuff, right? Like, Oh, for
1: sure. (laughs) I was thinking, though, too, like like that selling, you know, homemade cassettes. I was going to say, yeah, this would be the kind of band that tours around and sleeps in their van. Yeah. Um, But I actually think that same EP they recorded when they broke into that studio – I'm pretty sure I found a interview from the guitarist who said that that's actually what they did was for those three days, they would go into the studio and they'd spend 16, 17 hours writing, playing, and like working on mixing the music. And then they would leave and just go sleep in their van that was parked in the parking
0: lot for like five, six hours and then they were back in the studio as soon as possible. That's a whirlwind like and to maintain creativity on that kind of scale oh, like I couldn't even imagine. Excitement and youth obviously play a lot into it, but like, you know, you got to really love what you're doing. As somebody that plays instruments and has dabbled in music writing and stuff, like the thought of doing it even if I loved it for that kind of time, for 3 days solid is just astronomical and sleeping in really? a van
1: I couldn't I couldn't I I genuinely can't fathom, yeah, keeping your kind of your energy and your enthusiasm consistent and being present and with everybody and then not hating them all, you know, a la the Ramones. It, I think it really speaks to just their strength. As
0: and, and it group. also it speaks to, uh, you probably know his name, the lead singer's voice. The fact that he could keep going. Oh my God, yeah, I didn't even think of that. Um, but
1: yeah, yeah. Um, I want to double check now because she got me second guessing, but I'm pretty sure it's Nick Anderson <laughs> is, the, is the frontman. And yeah, I couldn't, holy shit, I didn't even consider that. Yeah, that's essentially three straight days of yeah. singing.
0: When you think of like major touring bands, I've watched like, you know, some of those Metallica documentaries and stuff. And there's like a certain amount of songs that they have in a set list because, you know. He has to preserve his voice. There's that famous story of the Beatles recording the Please Please Me album in like 12 hour day, and the reason Twist and Shout sounds so ragged vocally is because John Lennon had blown his voice up by that point. And like to come back the next day and the next day, <laughs> it's it's amazing he had any yeah, voice left.
1: Um, yeah, man. I yeah, I genuinely hadn't really considered that, but
0: not even <laughs> if I was to interview this band, that's that's what I'd ask. Be like, if you did three to sixteen hour days. Obviously, it's not all recording. It's not singing the entire time. It's like, how did you nurse your voice? Speaking? Yeah, even even if say half of their day was spent actively recording, that's a lot. Yeah, because who knows how many of the harmonies he's doing himself? Like, it doesn't sound like he's doing all of them, but like especially in these recordings, like he may be like layering the vocals himself. It may not be the other guy.
1: Yeah, um, that was one thing I couldn't really find a definitive answer on. But given how involved he is in the like pro- production and mixing process, there's a really good chance that yeah, he's gone full Trent Reznor with the vocals and he's doing it all and mixing it all himself like to boot. Yeah. I just, I really admire kind of, they really did just were like hey let's just do
0: this and it worked and they were like alright let's just keep doing it. <laughs> alright let's move on to the next song 4, Four which is uh stylistically is the biggest departure in the whole thing yeah maybe not
1: related but i will say like kind of right out of the gate i think four for me is the weakest track on this album and it might just be because it is so i love a band that experiments but four is so jarringly different that i just had a really hard time getting into it and it's just to me it strikes me as a very kind of generic Late 80s, kind of early 90s post punk love song. They didn't really feel anything exciting or new in that to me.
0: Yeah, I like I like the musicality of it. I like the guitar with the strings. I think that was cool. But ultimately mm-hmm. hearing this song in the background, I was like, that's the song that's gonna like connect with me. Um and then listening to it for real, I was just like, this just sounds like a Billy Eilish song. <laughs> there it is. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, for sure. That's exactly what it says. It just it's not that it's bad. Because realistic, I don't think they put a single bad track on this album. I really start to finish. I think this is a really strong album, but it just is, eh. Like it's gonna be the Songbird for me, if especially with what comes next. Like yeah. every time I listen to this album start to finish, I'm gonna skip four to get to "We All Get Lonely." <laughs> it's just unfortunately, I guess every album's gotta have one, and that'll that is just it for me.
0: Yeah, but I my hats off to them because yeah, it is a big big stylistic change from every other song so i think you know good on them for like you know expand your repertoire like be brave enough to put something on there that doesn't sound like the rest of it because the more times you experiment with that the more your audience that you're building is going to accept you experiment yeah
1: um that is one thing for sure i'll give them credit for that i love it was always honestly even when david bowie experimented poorly it was still some of my favorite parts of Bowie's career was when he was just like, eh, I'm bored of doing this. Let's go do something else. And I really love that they're only, they've are only they only got two EPs in this, three EPs, sorry, with Infinitely Ordinary. And they really took a big shot in the dark with that. And I think it's still a good track. I think it's very well, like you said, the musicality on it's very good. I think it's produced very well. I just think as a whole entity, it's kind of just a, eh, compared to what else they've got. But they, they delivered a brand new, completely different sound. And they yeah. they did it in a way that I in, instantly recognized. Like, yeah. oh, this wasn't them. Like, a lot of the other songs they have, like, even feel so nice where it opens with that little, like, fun, almost like Primus style riff for the start to finish is a whole different style. Yeah. And I, I can't imagine the conversation that had to take place before somebody's finally like, oh, I'm sure that's fine. But it's still, it just kind of felt almost flat. Like... <laughs> I don't know. I don't really. I've got much else to say. It just, it's a decent song. And it's, I love that they were willing to experiment. And I think for a sound that is so stylistically different, they did a good job with it. Yeah. But I'd rather they stick to one song like that
0: per album. I would hope that they continue to explore that kind of song
1: and get better at it. Yeah, for sure. It, I think with practice and time, once they've kind of honed the ability to to deliver consistently on both sounds i'd love to hear a mixed album where the album kind of even like a concept album i think from them would be a wonderful experience and it'd be really cool to get a concept album that could kind of shift around stylistically
0: yeah yeah i think um my final thought on this album or this song i should say i guess like they had they really hit upon something i think musically with like the really stripped down thing i don't think he had figured out how to sing it properly by the time they recorded it um it seemed like he was sort of struggling vocally um, mm. to sort of pull himself back and get that sort of like airy whisper head voice kind of yeah, like thing going on. Yeah. maybe Because when he goes to chess is. voice and he, and he's, you know, doing all of his big powerful stuff, he's right there every time. But like this, it seemed like, you know, his notes were cutting off. He wasn't like ending his phrasing very well. His voice seemed to be struggling at times. Um, yeah. I think maybe that's a big yeah. part of kind of why it, it like I said, it kind of fell flat for me and it.
1: And I really put two and two together. But I think that's a really good kind of criticism of the song is that yeah, his vocals and especially with them and how present and how important the vocals really are to the, the kind of musicality and the full mix of the song. I think having such a kind of discordant like separation between the two really went a long way to not kind of keeping me into the song. I just don't know if I ever really understood what it was, but that's a, yeah, for sure that you can tell the vocals and I do love that kind of stripped back sound, right? To me, that feels like they're... That's the kind of thing I could see them doing either like a small five-track EP of, or like I said, mixing it into a concept. I think they'd do great. But they for sure, they need to... He needs to get his vocals kind of in line with... Yeah. the Like the mood and the tone of the rest of the instruments. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Let's move on. We all get lonely. This is my favorite song this? on this
0: album. I didn't
1: think it was going to be this but I loved
0: it that I when I sent you that Stevie T song. <laughs> yep, I yeah, it was because of this. Song. <laughs> and if you're listening, um Stevie T uh had you heard of Stevie T?
1: No, I had I had no context going into that. Okay. You sent me that link.
0: Stevie T is a YouTube personality. He's like a guitar player YouTube personality. He's Canadian and he's just like this sort of goofy guy. Um, he's like a killer guitar player. He's like one of those YouTube guitar players that's like just exceptional at playing guitar. Um, but a lot of like he does a lot of sort of like joke things where he'll go and like fix people's solos and he'll like <laughs> pull a solo out of a song <laughs> and like play a, a proper one over top of it and stuff. But every once in a while he he'll do these like parody things. And Um, Yeah, he made this parody song when Billie Eilish really blew up with Bad Guy. Um, He made this thing called Roast Beef. And just the beginning of We All Get Lonely, I just immediately went there. And (laughs) and (laughs) I don't want to say it like ruined the song for me, but it was just like I couldn't not hear it to the point where I had to go listen to the Roast Beef song and then send it to you. to see if yeah. you just be like I'm gonna bring this up and see if when I did you're <laughs> like yes I, it was, I knew it was for this song
1: oh I didn't say it but 100% like I just kind of finished my replay through the album to kind of refresh my memory and then you send it to me and like I opened it it was like okay this is kind of fun but I don't know the hell I'm listening to it's hilarious oh my god I for sure am going to be watching more more of DVT EBT oh when I get the chance and man, it's such a oh, it's such a good critique of that. The sound that Billie Eilish is essentially starting to reinvent, but that very 2010 to 2015 peak of the like emo scene movement. Oh, it was golden. Yep. And the minute, the minute I heard it, I was like, holy shit, this is we
0: all get lonely. <laughs> like, I totally get it. <laughs> But I don't wanna I don't wanna steal your thunder, because you said this is this is your song on the album. So share with me, share with me what it is you love about this song, because I really struggled to get past Stevie T's Billie Eilish parody yeah. when I listen to this song. As much as I enjoyed it, you know, I've got like but my literally my only note on this song is this song sounds like the song Stevie T wrote to tease Billy Eilish. So that's incredible. Please share with me and anyone who has found our podcast what it is about this song you love.
1: Like, I don't know, just right out the gate. It, you can feel to me, you feel a lot of, like I feel a lot of those kind of influences um, I mentioned earlier. Like, I feel a lot of the killers in their music. I feel a lot of the Stokes, um, a bit of Pixies in there. But We All Get Lonely has such a it's such a West Coast, such a California punk sound. And I think it it's like, in the way that 4 was really stripped back, I found We All Get Lonely. They just went for it. They just kind of pushed their sound to big and loud and strong. And I think it really, really worked for them. Saying that, the other artist that's on this track, I don't know how to pronounce it. I don't know if it's Tommy or Tomy. Um, another, apparently, um, she's an indie. she's an indie publisher, just got started. 2016, 2017, I think is when I looked, when I looked her up, she, and she just quit her job just was one day. was like, Nope, like straight out of an (laughs) eighties, like move, like straight out of an eighties cliche (laughs) movie was just like, no, I can't dig it anymore. This is like, it's, it's bringing me down and just hit the road and started doing music and just producing what they wanted and singing and learning every instrument they could get their hands on. And I think her vocals in this song are incredible. I think they complement Anderson's vocals so well. And it just, I don't know, it immediately, as soon as that, as soon as the track kicked in, like we're talking three, four seconds in, like my mind immediately jumped. We're talking like No Effects, Henry Rollins, um, Rancid, for sure. Like you can feel they have such a distinct, that song to me really demonstrates that they have such a strong, like late and say 90s kind of influence their music like i felt listening to that i could almost almost get an idea of the music they grew up listening to and even as the song went on like my mind jumped to social distortion that really stripped back instrumental but really strong in your face vocals mixed with like no effects is really powerful guitar and a little bit like travis barker's iconic like quick insane rumbling like drum beats he throws out i just found and it might even just be the way it's mixed. I just found that song for me had everything I was looking for in that song.
0: It, yeah.
1: It had punk. It had a little bit of post-punk. They experimented a bit with some wild, like, I don't know the crazy musical terms like you do, but they experimented with a lot of, like, altered bass. Um, And, like, it just, to me, it felt like everybody just truly showed up and delivered
0: everything they had for that track. Yeah. the Like, the fuzzy bass is, is really great. And, the, you know, I agree with what you say, just like where the background of the song came from. I hear a lot of like Nine Inch Nails, Trent Reznor in there as well.
1: Yeah, that's it. Uh, like, it felt like they they almost like stumbled onto a kind of like
0: industrial rock, yeah. and it just, it all just clicked. It just worked so well together. Yeah. I've I'm, been I'm sort of playing it here in the background while you've been talking because. I wanted to rip myself away from just hearing Stevie T on it. That's all I'm going to hear now. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, there's just, there's a lot happening in this song, honestly. Um, so I'm really glad that you had that much to say about it. Cause yeah, there's just, there's just, there's, it's a big song. Yeah. That's such a good way of putting it. It's just a big song. And it's, I don't
1: think, I think anybody who goes into that song is going to immediately have a different impression and kind of, a wildly different opinion on it and just for me personally and I mean this is something we'll explore obviously a lot more as we keep going into this podcast but I grew up so strongly with a punk kind of upbringing it was all my dad ever listened to I mean I grew up four or five years old I was listening to the Ramones and you know Rance's first couple albums I've listened to Dropkick Murphys my whole life and that song did such a great job of kind of delivering that sound to me it felt so just kind of big and raw and powerful and energetic and it just oh uh, it spoke to me. It's by yeah, by a mile my favorite song off this album now.
0: It's awesome. I really look forward to when we get to start listening to punk because you have such a deep understanding and history of that genre that I just don't have. My dad grew up playing Elton John and Christopher Berg albums and Beatles to a certain degree but like my dad was sort of, he left a lot of even like his cool music <laughs> behind. And by like, I remember him listening to a lot of like at what would be considered sort of like at 90s adult contemporary and stuff. So like as much as when I would go and like raid his record collection and stuff, he had a lot of really killer stuff down there. You know, he had all these old Beatle records and like Neil Diamond and all these old Elton John stuff and like just, you know, Loverboy and just all of this shit. And then you go upstairs and you'd be listening to, like, Celine Dion and Whitney Houston and, like, Amanda Marshall or Savage Garden. (laughs) And it's just like, as much as, you know, I will maintain forever that Whitney Houston is awesome and people can claim that Beyonce is the queen all they want, but she's only the queen because Whitney's dead. I I think of them very much as, like, in North Korea, Kim Il-sung is, like, emperor for eternity, and then somebody in his family is, like, the great leader or the dear leader. For me, Whitney Houston is like Kim Il-sung. She's like Empress Forever. Yeah. And it's like, well, you know, she's gone now, so somebody has to sit in a seat. <laughs> <laughs> right? We, we we have to have somebody with a title. Yeah. But we all know the title's never really left. Yeah, exactly. But that's just my own opinion. But So I'm I'm so stoked when we get to start doing punk rock. And, you know, obviously we've had these conversations of like the albums we want to get to and stuff we want to do. And we want to kind of, more comfortable with our podcast and and kind of build what we want to turn it into and and see how it's going before we really get into albums that we truly love (laughs) yeah
1: but see like honestly flip side I'm really excited for when we get to those bands like um even the Beatles right we've had that conversation a bunch of times I don't really know or have any intimate knowledge of the Beatles or like Pink Floyd um and I'm really excited to, to go through those albums with you because I've heard you talk about them before and yeah your your passion and your knowledge and you're just your understanding, especially just even music during that time period is really strong. And I can't wait till we get the chance to really
0: kind of showcase that. Well, uh, my thoughts for this week, I don't want to jump ahead, but, um, my thoughts for an, the album this week, um, we'll touch okay, on. Okay. I'm excited now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We all get lonely. Um, do you have any other thoughts? I mean, no, I think I could gush about this song for so long, but yeah, I, I think, I think you really hit the nail on the head with that one. Two tracks left. We, uh, I don't know if we're ever going to do a double album because, man, we have blathered on for <laughs> about an eight song EP. Oh, uh, we have We have that talent, at least. Yes, exactly. Yeah. I don't know if we'll ever get. You know, we're going to have to probably uh, have our, our format really locked and loaded before we get around to listening to like Goodbye Yellow Brick Road or Electric Ladyland or anything like that.
1: That's OK. We'll just make a four part series on one album.
0: <laughs> hey, I'm down for that. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to have to have some pretty patient listeners if we ever find out. <laughs> <laughs> four, oh my god. side record it's like an <laughs> hour and a half each, so. yeah, if it's good enough i'd listen okay
1: i said if it's good enough i'd listen
0: <laughs> yeah oh yeah me too stuff i listen to on podcasts it's just like i started listening to the scrubs podcast because i really really love scrubs oh nice i didn't even know there was this one actually yeah it's actually um zach Braff and donald Faison have this thing for this podcast called real F- or fake doctors real friends <laughs> and uh it's supposed to be them rewatching the uh, the series, but in reality, it is just them shooting the shit, kind of occasionally referencing back to the, or to the, not the album, but to the episode <laughs> um, and like talking about like stuff they remember about um filming it and that, but it's mostly just them like just shooting the shit. And it's just like, I, I realized, you know, as much as like, I love it. It's like, I'm literally just eavesdropping on these two guys having a conversation. <laughs> it Sounds so. pretty fun. Like that's definitely going on my list. <laughs> Oh, it's a great podcast. Um, it's it's one of the ones that I listen to most regularly now, but I'm a big Scrubs fan. And just because I brought it up, I don't want to skip This Life I Have, but Infinitely Ordinary, I'll just skip to the last song on the record. That song reminds me of something that I would hear in a TV show like Scrubs. Like to me, Infinitely Ordinary feels like the most complete song on the. Oh, shit,
1: that's another, you nailed that on the head. I would never would have in a million years made that kind of comparison to that train
0: of thought. But the minute you said it, it's just one of those things that clicked. And you're right. Totally. I 100% agree. Um, I think it's a great song. Yeah. It, it just, like, my notes are, it reminds me of something from a TV show. I could hear this show or hear this song being in Scrubs. And, yeah, it feels like the most complete song on the album. It's great. I think, I think it is. There's no question why they named their album after this song. Or the lyrics are great. I think the production is great. the, song, the musicality, the instrumentation is great. It's, it's a great song. I don't really have a whole lot of other notes about it. It's just like for me, it's just like it just feels like if it, it feels like the kind of song that should be on the radio constantly because it was part of a really successful TV show, or a really successful movie to me, this feels like this song that that breaks them. If, if, if that, if that makes sense.
1: Yeah. Honestly, this life I have to touch on it quickly. Again, it's kind of like out of style for me. It's a good song. I think it's well done. I think for the most part I could take it or leave it. Like I will say, I almost want to say when the beat drops, but that makes me think, you know, new HR and B, but it's about 15 seconds in or so when the, the bass and the guitar kicks in, I, I love that moment in this song. Mm. The rest of the song I could honestly kind of do without, but this life I have is one of those ones that starts off really melodic and slow and rhythmic and then you just out of nowhere the, you hit that like sonic wall and the song just instantly becomes so much bigger and brighter and more energetic. And that's a really really cool moment in this album I think. Yeah. And I think it was a really cool way to kind of rev the energy, like keep the energy kind of revved up leading into infinitely ordinary but i do think infinitely ordinary is the most like you said the most complete song start to finish it feels like such a polished kind of beloved project i think they really really nailed it with that last track
0: yeah for um this this life i have i found the fuzzy vocals got really tiring yeah but yeah like the chorus i mean like i think of all the songs on this album it is the one to me that's like this is the punk song
1: yeah no for sure um I mean, especially once, like I said, at that, like, I think it's 15 to say 17 seconds into the song. When that, like, I don't know the word for it, but essentially once the instruments kick in, oh, it has such a punk feel and instrumentally a very, very strong song for me. If I could just kind of listen to it on low and let the instruments just play out in the background, that's the same song I've listened to for. Decades at this point. But yeah, again, like the the vocals, especially coming off for me, uh, we all get lonely coming off how strong those vocals were that like fuzziness. And it just felt like he wasn't there for this song. Like he just kind of it almost seemed like he's just kind of phoning it in. The instruments are so strong. And then the vocals are just kind of, Especially compared to what we can see, they and he can deliver,
0: they just felt kind of like an afterthought. Yeah. And it
1: just, it really, it really ruined the track
0: for me. Yeah. I find vocal effects to be not my favorite thing. And I say that as someone whose favorite vocalist ever used them. Um, I find, you know, a f- like fuzzy voice and, and stuff, like I think, you know, or auto tune or, you know, any of that, I think it has its place. But this seemed to have, like vocally it seemed like he, that was the sound he was going for and as and i am more than happy to listen to um a hard album to listen to i'm more than happy to listen to something that's like a grind to get through and we're going to listen to albums like that i'm sure Oh, for sure <laughs> <laughs> i'm more than happy to do that i think yeah not every song in this on every on, you know not every song's a banger this for me this one's just kind of like meh kind of like uh out of style i feel like this one it falls flat for me i mean i think the, the chorus is cool it's the closest they get to a punk sound i would say on the album which is neat but um yeah I don't know. and i'd say you know of the eight songs that are on this six of them are really great and two of them are like kind of meh yeah
1: yeah i feel the same way like you said right we all get lonely to me has always it's it's a punk sound to me but it's influenced by punk it's it to me. It's the culmination of all the sh- like shit they grew up listening to. Mm-hmm. The life I have is them emulating a punk sound, and they do a pretty solid job. Yeah. Like I said, instrumentally, absolutely. I just I think vocally, it just didn't work. And if you had given me this song from a punk band thirty years ago, hell yeah, I would have been all in. Absolutely, I've listened to whole albums that sound like that or worse, but I think when we know how strong they can create that like kind of musicality and that interplay between vocals and instruments i think having that very very noticeably like filtered vocal just it wasn't a hit and i just don't think it's the right place for that with them at least like down the line i'm sure we're going to hear more from them that use it and yeah. maybe like with 4 maybe they'll they'll really work at it and they'll find a way to to make it work for their sound I just think that it just didn't work and it's such a shame it's so close to you know ending out the album because it just for me right I I hit we all get lonely and I <laughs> that's the chain for rumors we were just talking about and then instantly it like I crash down because the song is just kind of eh yeah. musically it's a really smart follow up to we all get lonely To go from that almost experimental neo-punk sound into true, like, that's real 90s punk through and through. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 80s through 95. Absolutely. I just, eh. (laughs) It's still just kind of, eh. Like, I totally agree. And then, yeah, because for me, right, because it's surrounded by We All Get Lonely and Infinitely Ordinary, it just, between those such incredible songs, Mm -hmm. it just really falls flat.
0: (laughs) <laughs> I
1: mean we also already talked about Infinitely Ordinary. So if you got more if you got more thoughts about that track, um, to me it was good. I think it is a really well polished, really complete track, but it wasn't the standout track for me. Yeah. So I yeah. didn't I don't really have a whole lot of notes on that.
0: Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, I won't say it I wouldn't say it's the best song in the album, but to me in terms of like popular culture and acceptance and stuff, I feel like it's the closest they've come from what I've heard on this album of a song that would like easily slot into something else as part of a soundtrack
1: yeah right where like to me like freaking out is a it's an all rock song like for us here in edmonton like it's sonic 102.9 like yeah 100 infinitely ordinary could play on any radio station i've ever listened to and it would maybe not be the best fit but it'd be enough of a fit that kind of everybody would listen to it Um, And like you said, I think as a, like a soundtrack song, yeah, 100%, I could see it in scrubs or yeah, like fade the fade out for either like the dead center, like of a movie to try and keep their audience like focused or the fade out over the credits. It would, it just works. It's just such a
0: producible, such a playable song. 100%. Hundred percent. Yeah, no, I don't really have a whole lot of other thoughts. You know, I, I I enjoyed it. I I really liked listening to it and putting putting the pieces together of the influences that I hear in them. I think the ones that you hear are really cool because you and I just sort of come from a different place where our brains kind of connect the pieces and the puzzle differently. Um, but yeah, no, I. Uh... You know, there's this this cool. It's like there's everything in here for me from like like I said, early Pink Floyd, Tool, like this Tool sort for of sure. Like funny plain white tees vibe at times. That's what four, four <laughs> sounds like to me. Now that you said it, plain white tees, hundred percent
1: and I don't yeah. mind I don't pl- mind the playing
0: weight yes yeah. but no, I'm I'm really glad you um you suggested this I've been I've been thinking like you know as I was listening to it and as we go through this I've been thinking like would I listen to this again now that I've listened to it out of uh an obligation based on an agreement you and I have and I don't know if I would put the whole thing on again but I would be really happy with some of these songs and like a regular playlist yeah that's fair like whereas for me right
1: like that's why it was my suggestion is
0: the Rex, as much
1: as I really love this album, like honestly, start to finish, it's a really strong product. I greatly recommend anybody to go out there and listen to it. Infinitely Ordinary by the Rex. It's eight songs. It's 23 minutes. I mean, that's probably that might even be half your daily commute for some people. Right. I think it's totally worth a listen. I think one of my favorite things about the Rex and this album is I see so much potential in this band. I'm so excited to see the next, say, five, ten years, what this group is gonna come out with, because I think they're really, I think we're gonna see them really kind of change the game at some point. They're just they're such a strong, complete package already, with such essentially limited experience.
0: I think they've got a really long, really bright road ahead of them. Yeah, like uh, hopefully um, we can get back to some semblance of the life we used to have, and like if these guys get onto some kind of like summer touring festival. I'm
1: there. I'm there.
0: <laughs> and like they, they'd fit right in, you know, I think once radio kind of gets a hold of these guys, if they haven't already. And admittedly, one of the things that you and I have admitted is sort of a, a failing of ours at this point is we don't really listen to the radio. anymore. Yeah, absolutely. So these guys should be all over Sonic in Edmonton. And I have absolutely no idea.
1: <laughs> yeah. Like I know for sure, freaking out's gotten some play just from honestly, even just hearing it all at like the store or we're all like occasionally like, Honestly, the Bluetooth system in my, my van takes forever to connect to my phone. So I usually get a solid five, six minutes of radio play before I can even attempt to play my own. Uh-huh. So I know for sure I've heard Freaking Out on the radio, but I don't think I've heard any other song off this album. Like I kind of said going into it, most of this album was new to me aside from a couple songs, but I would love to see them get more airtime. Because yeah, if, if they were to go on tour, for sure. I will say, I'm just going to throw it out there quickly. Um, Their EP from 2018, Panic Vertigo. hmm I haven't listened to the whole thing, but the second track, James Dean, might be one of my favorite songs, just kind of bar none. It's nothing crazy or fun or like true like experimental. It's just really, really fun. It's just a really fun, catchy. It's just oh, such an infectious song. Hmm. Everybody should go listen to it. (laughs) Uh, it. Yeah, I'm glad overall it was a good experience for you. Um, For me, I loved it. I'm so glad we ended up doing this album because it showed me so much more of their like their music and their talent. But I'm very excited to see what you're going to bring for us.
0: All right. So we've talked about it. Um, It's in reference here a few times. And honestly, before we started recording this album, because I knew it was my turn. (laughs) It's like, what am I going to suggest? And um, I was thinking of doing something that's not sort of like a small indie artist and maybe something a little more well-known, um, or at least a well-known band. And I think I was between one of two suggestions, and I've made my decision, and my suggestion is The Piper at the Gates of Dawn by Pink Floyd, which is their first album. Ooh. I was going to suggest The Madcap Laughs, which is the first Sid Barrett solo album. But if you know nothing of him, and you don't know even know Pink Floyd that well, I can't start you with his post-mental breakdown, <laughs> um, barely recorded struggle for solo album. So yeah, my suggestion is, and this is something, this is an album that I actually own the CD of. <laughs> I went through a really, really huge Pink Floyd phase back in like like 2005, 2006, um, when I was at college for radio broadcasting, a friend I met there, he was a huge Pink Floyd fan and a huge Sid Barrett fan. And I had kn- I'd known what Sid, who Sid Barrett was. Um, I'd watched some documentaries and stuff, but I'd never heard Piper at the Gates of Dawn all the way through. I never really... The only Sid Barrett songs I'd heard were on the Echo's Greatest Hits album. And some of those songs aren't even on this album. So this is one I own, but this is one that I've really only listened to all the way through a few times. Um, and when we were talking about stuff that's a bit of a grind to get through this is going to be one of those but if you want to at some point get to the point where we listen to dark side of the moon or you listen or we listen to the wall or even wish you were here and stuff like you have to understand who sid barrett was what his music was and where pink floyd came from so my suggestion is piper at the gates of dawn pink floyd 1967 um the beginning of a very very long pink floyd journey that is still Still going in, in, in a lot of ways.
1: Yeah, I'm really excited because, right, really, there's the only things I know about Pink Floyd are Dark Side and the Moon, obviously. Uh, you know, <laughs> another brick in the wall, like, yeah, iconics. Um, Like Sid Barrett, honestly, I really don't. All I know is that at least it's rumored that Sid Barrett is who Shine On You Crazy Diamond was written for. I don't even know if that's true.
0: Oh, okay. So oh, yeah, it's, it's, it's not it's, even rumored. It's, it's 100%. Wish You Were Here is about him like most of the wall is about him. Most of like dark side of the moon, Roger Waters wrote about like three things. He wrote about school, the war and madness. And, you know, school was his experiences Mm -hmm. as a child. The war was because his father was killed in the second world war and madness is because his best. Yeah. Well, I'm
1: excited. Um, Like I said, I've kind of always wanted to get into Pink Floyd. I think listening to that kind of side by side with you and, Healing your opinions and your passion for it we really go a long way. Um, and honestly, right, Pink Floyd. If I I might be wrong, Pink Floyd's like mid '60s
0: when they started. I thought it was like '65 or so. Would have been when they. Yeah, well, I mean, this album came out in '67. Um, they were, I would say, they were likely active for at least a year and a half. Okay, yeah. See, I just know what my my dad honestly is
1: actually a pretty big Pink Floyd fan. Because um, yeah, if that's their first album, he only it would have been about... They came about... about They predated my dad by about six years. So I think his dad, honestly, listened to Pink Floyd. Um, And I know they've got that... They've really kind of engineered or really kind of brought forward that, like, psycho pop sound, which is one of my favorite things. So I'm I'm really excited to get into this album. I think it'll be a really good listen, even if it is a grind.
0: (laughs) Yeah. um, Like, when you listen to this album, you're going to hear a lot of, like, where Bowie came from. You're going to hear where like the New York Dolls came from um, in a lot of ways, you're gonna hear like talking heads. Like um, I saw the Red Hot Chili Peppers live in 2006 and the Mars Volta opened for them and the Mars Volta covered one of the songs on this album. Oh, sweet. So um, so yeah, they're I'll like the precursor what... to some of my favorite bands. <laughs> yeah, you're gonna hear, you're gonna listen to this and especially as someone that like gr- spent a lot of your you know, growing up time in the UK um, you're going to, you know, this this just so quintessentially 60s English psychedelia, um, but it's just very, very, very English in the way that he sings. So there's some really good songs that he has that aren't on this. Like, he's got a song called, like, Candy in a Current Bun. Huh. And, like, <laughs> if there was ever a more yeah. English song title, I don't know what it is. Literally,
1: <laughs> what, three, four hours ago, me and my way for talking about how I miss Black Current. 'Cause you don't just you just don't get it here. It's such a good flavor.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's so oh, a current bun, that's so fucking British. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um and it's not, you know, and when you hear it, it's like what it, your where where your mind goes when you hear that title isn't even really what the song sounds like. But uh yeah, so before we hit like the three hour mark on this episode <laughs> let's uh let's wrap it up here and yeah we'll say next week we're gonna be talking about that and uh if you are if you want to like go further and you text me and say like i listen to candy in a current bun or i listen to some of the other stuff because i was interested in this thing cool like we'll just chat about it but
1: i'm gonna i'm gonna do my best to keep to what i should <laughs> so that i'm not spoiled in the recording and also ramble on <laughs> but i might dabble a bit
0: Yeah, we'll stick to that. We'll stick to the album. But if uh, if you want to go a little further and like have more to reference and like where his songwriting went, like Vegetable Man and stuff, cool. Um, But yeah, this is the only album where it's all him. He shows up on a couple of the others, but by the time they even record their next album, he is mostly out of the band at that point. Like he didn't last very long, um, unfortunately. Like Pink Floyd never would have became what they became if he had stayed, but. This is when you know, if you're a Sid Barrett fan, it's probably like you start here. You know, he shows up. He's got there's a few singles and stuff in that, but like this is the only awesome full album.
1: Thanks for listening to me ramble on about (laughs) punk-influenced alt rock. Go listen to the Rex. They're fan like fantastic man. They're fabulous. And I am very excited to finally start getting into some Pink Floyd and see what all this hype is about. Well, thanks for listening, and uh we'll catch you next time. See ya!
0: Thanks for listening to Life to Labyrinth podcast. Theme music by Devin Rose. Find Devin on Bandcamp or any streaming service. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Life2Labyrinth.